but our idea of the Anglo-Saxons and why this is important for understanding our current cultural situation. Because from Protestant Reformation polemicists to Thomas Jefferson, who wanted to put the Anglo-Saxon warriors Hengist and Horsa on the Great Seal of the United States, to the Victorians, who readopted the Anglo-Saxonists, to the wacko racists and Nazis who were interested in Anglo-Saxonists, to J.R.R. Tolkien, who changed popular perception, and even to Angelina Jolie, who was a monster in a movie about the Anglo-Saxons in Beowulf, the Anglo-Saxons are extremely important, and what people think they know about them is not really how they are. So we're going to go back and look at who the Anglo-Saxons really were, and then towards the end of the course, we're going to see what people have done with the Anglo-Saxons. So let me give you a quick overview of how we're going to go through this course. We're going to start out talking about where, when, and who, and the Angles, the Saxons, and the Jutes, who everybody forgets, but who were supposedly part of the Anglo-Saxons, and how they got to England, where they came from. And we're going to talk about, in Lecture 2, their language and their culture. Then, in Lecture 3, we're going to talk about the migration period. And this is when the Germanic tribes were moving all around the North Sea area to all the different countries that surround the North Sea. And the North Sea ends up being the equivalent of the Mediterranean Sea for Greek and Roman culture. This is the migration period then in the North. Then we talk about the conversion. And this is when the Anglo-Saxons became Christianized in England. And we'll talk about the great intellectual achievements in the school of Theodore and Hadrian, which was a center of Latin learning in Anglo-Saxon. And then this leads us up to Lecture 5, which is the golden age of Anglo-Saxon monasticism. Now, it's not very trendy to call something a golden age, but I'm still going to, because at this point, England was the intellectual capital of Europe, the Venerable Bede was the greatest living scholar in Europe, and English monasteries produced amazing books and great art. And then, in Lecture 6, we'll talk about how that all came crashing down very, very rapidly with the invasion of the Vikings and the influence of Danish and Norse culture in England, and the destruction of everything, or almost everything, that had been built during that Golden Age. Then we'll talk about one of my great heroes, one of the, the great heroes in English literature and history, and that's King Alfred, King Alfred the Great, how he stopped the Vikings from conquering England and how he rebuilt England's culture. Alfred's heirs, especially his grandson Athelstan, and then some of Athelstan's further relatives, really rebuilt what had been there for the Golden Age. And in Lecture 8, we're going to talk about this period, which is usually called the Benedictine Reform. And this was when England became the most powerful empire in Northern Europe, and also the richest and most successful dynasty for quite a long while. And along with that was a rise in art, in culture, and literature. Then we're going to take a group of three lectures to look at some of the things that King Alfred, his predecessors, and his heirs allowed to happen in England. And this is a flowering of literature in the vernacular, that is, literature in English rather than literature in Latin. And it has no parallel anywhere else in the time period. So we'll spend three lectures, lectures 9, 10, and 11, talking about different kinds of Anglo-Saxon literature. First, what was probably the most important literature to them, the literature that came out of the church, the religious literature. Then, the personal literature and the wisdom poems, the poems that were elegies and talked about the experience of individuals which are unique in Europe at that time. 
and also a few things of riddles. And then finally, we'll talk about Anglo-Saxon epic and heroic literature. This is what everybody knows. This is where they make a movie with Angelina Jolie in it. Beowulf is the main text, but it's just the very best of a whole set of epic and heroic texts that are associated around the same sorts of material and the same ideas. And here's also where we get monsters that eat people and heroes that rip off monsters' arms. And then we're going to go from literature to sort of the ultimate historical soap opera. That's the only way I can describe it, which is what happens at the end of the Anglo-Saxon period, leading up to the Norman conquest and the end of Anglo-Saxon England. It's an incredibly interesting and tangled mess of rivalries and betrayals and incompetent kings and great kings, and eventually leading to the one time that England was conquered, which is the Norman conquest of 1066. And then in our final two lectures, we're going to see...